again and uh, just had a great time this weekend being with your uh, teenagers. And I, listen, this is the third event that I've been able to be at uh, with your student ministry. And I am just growing and growing in my affection and appreciation for them uh, and really impressed with the students that you have. So thankful for Joe and his leadership. Uh, Joe is uh, like a, a Timothy to me. Uh, Joe is my former intern, so you can blame me for uh, all the things he does, but uh, I love him like a brother and thankful for what God is doing here uh, in this ministry. And what we've been talking about this weekend is leaving a gospel legacy. That's kind of been the challenge of the weekend of, of what kind of mark will your life leave behind? Uh, what kind of mark will this church leave behind? And will it have anything to do with the gospel? And this morning, I want us to look at a text that I think has probably been the most influential in my life about whether or not my life will leave a legacy for the sake of the gospel. And I'm going to tell you up front, it's not easy. And it's very convicting. And if it steps on your toes, just know that it's cut both of my feet off in thinking about how this text applies to my life. So I'm going to ask you if you're able to please stand for the honor of reading God's Word, recognizing its authority, 1 Corinthians 9, and I'm just going to look uh, for our scripture reading at verse 19 through 23. The Apostle Paul writes here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit this, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I've become as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I've become as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I've become as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might win some. And then verse 23. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessing. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I, I need you this morning to teach this truth. Um, Jesus said the Spirit would come and lead us into truth, and I pray that uh, our eyes would be opened to how our lives are used for the sake of the gospel, not for the sake of a denomination or a tradition or a preference, but for the gospel. May that be our legacy. We pray it in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I've been a uh, sports fan all my life. Um, your pastor and I share a common affection with the Kentucky Wildcats, but I'll not talk that much about that this morning, though I'm still pretty happy about that. 
But I've loved sports all my life. I've played sports. Uh, I like to watch movies about sports. And one of the things that sometimes I'll watch on TV, I don't know if you've ever seen these, but it's, it's these like countdown shows where they give you the top 10 highlights or the top 10 clips or the top 10, you know, most impacting players or whatever. And there was one that I watched one time that was uh, the top 10 gutsiest performances in NFL history. And when it got to number three, there was a story about a man named Ronnie Lott that I really kind of shocked me. And I want you to watch this clip about Ronnie Lott and his gutsy performance. Take a look. But in 1985, with the team on the way back to the playoffs, Lott ran into a buzzsaw. Ronnie Lott hurt his left hand on that play. Oh, yeah, they caught it right there. I'm sure he has one of those fractures where the bone comes through the skin because there is blood involved in that thing. When his damaged hand muffled his attack, rather than risk missing a game, Lott had his finger chopped off, losing one digit in our number three gutsiest performance. Ronnie Lott had his finger cut off. Now, if you've had your finger cut off for a football game and you're only third on the gutsiest performances, like there's a problem with that. I can't imagine who's number one and number two. But I saw that and I thought, you got to be kidding me. Here's a guy who's willing to sacrifice a finger, literally have his finger removed for the sake of the team. He didn't care about his ultimate comfort. What he cared most about was the success of the team that he was on. Now I thought about that. And I thought about 1 Corinthians chapter 9 because that really is the point that the Apostle Paul is trying to get across. Namely, and look here this morning, what are you willing to sacrifice what are you willing to lose for the sake of a gospel legacy? What are you willing to give up? What comfort, what preference, what tradition would you be willing to cut off, remove, or get rid of if it meant a greater gospel legacy? Paul's writing here to a church in Corinth that's lost its gospel impact, and it's lost its gospel impact because it's become self-focused. It's become me-centered. If you know anything about the book of Corinthians, you know, or the church of Corinthians, they're fighting. They're arguing, for instance, on who has the best spiritual gift. Some are saying, well, I have speaking in tongues, and others are saying, well, I have prophecy, well, I have teaching. And Paul has to write to them and say, you've missed the point. Some of them are arguing about who's the greatest apostle. I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. And once again, they've missed the point. Some of them are even fighting to be the first in line at the Lord's Supper. They are me-centered, me-focused, and the problem is that's hindering their gospel legacy their gospel impact. Now, the issue that they're fighting about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is whether or not you should eat meat. Now, I'm just going to assume this church has never had a fight over that. I don't know many Baptist churches that have ever fought about whether or not you should eat meat or not. And that's because we don't typically think about the issue of meat like what's going on here. 
You see, in Corinth, there were uh, pagan temples, and people would go and participate in pagan worship, idol worship, and one of the things that they would do is they would offer up sacrifices, and one of the things that they would offer up would be meat. And not just any meat, we're talking the best meat. We're talking prime, prime, prime meat. And what they would do is after they would offer it up, they'd go out into the alley out back and then they'd sell it. And there were Christians who were buying the meat because after all, they like to eat meat and it's the best kind of meat. And so they'd buy it and they'd eat it. And a debate, an argument arose in the church of Corinth as to whether or not that was allowed. And I know this is going to shock you, but uh, what happened is two groups formed and they fought. I know that never happens today in our churches. We never, sir, I've been Southern Baptist all my life. I've never been in a Southern Baptist church that had a disagreement about a preference. But Corinth did. And the two groups that formed was one what was known as the knowledgeable. This this group was saying, now now listen, uh, we're not wanting to offer up anything to idols. We believe that there's one true and living God. We follow Jesus Christ. We're not into paganism. We just like meat. And who are you to tell me that I can't eat? You can take your rules and leave because you can't put your rules on me. We are free. The other group, who Paul calls the weak, says it's very difficult for us to disassociate meat with the worship of idols and paganism, so we believe that you shouldn't be able to eat. And so one group was saying, I'm free, and another group was saying, no, you shouldn't be free, that's sin. And Paul writes to them, and look at verse 1 of chapter 8. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Look right here, Mount Pleasant. Paul says, listen, you've missed the point because the point is love. And in that sense, you're both wrong. You are making a minor issue a major issue And it's affecting your gospel legacy. Because when I hear about your church, Corinth, what I don't hear about is the gospel. What I don't hear about is love. What I hear, what I see, is Christians who can't get past their preference. And that's a problem if you want to leave a gospel legacy. Now, what Paul does, and we're not going to take the time to go through all of this, is chapter 9 is Paul basically gives himself as an example who ultimately is about the gospel and not his own preference. Just, let's just take a little sample in chapter 9. Look at verse 1. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am an apostle, at least I am to you. For you're the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm an apostle. You know that. I have rights. There's all types of things that I could claim, but I don't. Look at verse 12 of chapter 9. If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? And then notice this. This is big. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right But we endure anything rather than to put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? 
I have rights, I have preferences, I have traditions, I have things that I could be asking for, but I have voluntarily sacrificed those things and cut them off. Why? Because I don't want there to be any obstacle whatsoever that prevents me from leaving a gospel legacy. May it never be that I am known for anything other than the gospel. Not money, not my apostleship, not all the things I could have, but the one thing I want most, and that is people to know about the gospel. Now, I want to show you in verses 19 through 23, what Paul does, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, church, I know this is difficult, and, and, and this, has been, this has been very life-transforming for me as to how I can leave a gospel legacy and how the church that I lead can leave a gospel legacy. And notice what Paul does in verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Let me, let me tell you what Paul says here. And, and I want to be real practical this morning in terms of how will Mount Pleasant be a church that leaves a gospel legacy? And I, I want you just to, like, we're just in a living room here having a conversation. Let me share my heart with you. Um, you've got to know what the mission is all about. Five times in verses 19 through 23, Paul says that I might win some, that I might win some, that I might win some, that I might win some. Paul's burden was not his apostleship. It was not his tradition. His burden was that people would come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he was all about. He was clear on one thing, and that one thing was the mission that the Lord Jesus Christ had given him to do. That mission to see the gospel known among people who had never heard, among people who had never believed. We must, if we're going to be a gospel legacy people or a gospel legacy church, we must know what our mission is. And listen, that mission is not about me. Do you know how hard that is to swallow? That mission, and that's what Paul is saying here, that mission is not about me. The mission is about the gospel. So that's the first thing, is clarity on the mission. The second thing is conviction about the message. Look at verse 23. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. So what Paul's not going to do as he is out seeking to win people for the sake of Jesus Christ, he's not going to compromise the gospel. In fact, if you know anything about Paul, he's not very politically correct, is he? I mean, I would love to just see the church that Paul would pastor today in this culture. I mean, he would tell you like it is. He didn't have a problem offending people. In fact, and I know this is a little crazy, but it is the Bible, the Judaizers... Like in the book of Philippians and Galatians, who wanted to add circumcision to the gospel, where they said, hey, you need Jesus and circumcision, Paul would say, literally, he said, if you want circumcision, great, I hope the knife slips. 
I don't know if that preaching would go over very well in today's culture, would it? The point is, Paul had absolutely no room whatsoever of adding anything to the gospel. He was convicted about the message, and the message was not about to change. After all, how are you going to have a gospel legacy if you change the gospel? So I know what my mission is. My mission is that I might win some, that I might win some, that I might win some for the sake of the gospel. And now here's the part that's the most convicting. With anything else, I'll flex. When it comes to tradition, when it comes to preference, when it comes to the minor things like eating meat, Corinthians, big deal. I I don't want to leave a legacy of fighting over meat. I, I don't want to leave a legacy of fighting over who's got the greatest spiritual gift. If I'm going to leave a legacy, Corinthians, if you're going to leave a legacy, let's let it be about the gospel. And what that means is you're going to have to get over yourself. And they'll watch what he does. Paul does something here that just is for the sake of the gospel and to leave a gospel legacy that is amazing. And here's the first thing he does is he says, listen, Corinthians, I'm not in any category. Look at verse 20 and 21. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. Now stop right there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do we know about the Apostle Paul? He's a Jew. And yet he says, to the Jews, I'll become like a Jew. But wait a minute. You are a Jew. But he doesn't see himself as one anymore. He's not a Jew, he's a Christian. And so when he's with the Jews, he'll take on some of the traditions and practices of the Jews to be like them, but it's not a big deal. And when he's with those not under the law, namely the Gentiles, he'll take on some of the preferences and traditions of the Gentiles because at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. He's not a Jewish Christian. He's not a Gentile Christian. He's a Christian. And so he's not going to associate himself with any other legacy other than a Christian gospel legacy. Now that's huge. The Jews don't own him, the Gentiles don't own him, the Baptists don't own him, the Methodists don't own him, Jesus owns him. And it's only when we're willing to see our identity in the gospel that we will leave a gospel legacy. Listen, I told you I've been Southern Baptist all my life, but I'm not out trying to leave a Baptist legacy. I'm trying to leave a gospel legacy. As thankful as I am for the heritage that God has given me, ultimately it's about the gospel. Paul would say, when I'm with the Jews, I won't eat barbecue. (laughs) But when I'm with the Gentiles, I'll eat the whole pig. When I'm with the Baptist, I won't drink. But when I'm with the Lutherans, I'm not promising anything. 
Because at the end of the day, I don't care if you eat meat or you don't. I don't care if you have an organ or a drum. I don't care if you sing out of a hymn book or off a screen. I don't care if you have pews or chairs. I don't care if you like the KJV or the ESV. I don't care if your church has a steeple or meets in a bowling alley. I don't care if you like Gaithers or Christian rap. Why? Because they're not gospel issues. And so I'll flex. And why will I flex? Because I want to leave a gospel legacy. In Corinthians, the last time, I can't tell you how convicting this is for me, the last time I checked whether you eat meat or don't eat meat doesn't have anything to do with whether or not somebody's going to go to heaven. But your fighting about it may very well keep some people from heaven. And that's a problem if you want to leave a gospel legacy. So Paul is saying, listen, <laughs> let's be clear about the mission. We want to see people one to Jesus. Amen. And we're not going to compromise the gospel because I'm doing this all for the sake of the gospel. But beyond that, I'm not in anybody's category, so I'll flex so that I can win people from every category. Look at verse 22. To the weak, I became weak to, in order that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Now, this is really important. What Paul's not saying is... Um, I'm not going to eat meat, or I'm going to eat meat, or I'm not going to do this, or I will do that in order, so I can be cool. I want to be, be relevant. I want to be, uh, be accepted by these groups. That's not what Paul's saying. I want to do these things because I want to see them saved. This is probably the best illustration I could give of this. Listen to this for a minute. We as Baptists love, love, love our missionaries, don't we? I mean, my goodness, what are you you're just talking about? The North American Mission Board, and I'm sure that know that this church would sacrifice greatly for missionaries. Let me ask you this. What would you say about a missionary who moved to another country but refused to dress like them, learn their language, or any of their practices? You'd say, good luck being effective for the gospel. Well, here's the truth. Missionaries are not just people that we send overseas. Missionaries are people who walk out that door in just a few minutes and go out into this community. And if we are unwilling to flex with this community for the sake of the gospel, how do you expect to win this community with the gospel? I'm not in anybody's category so that I can win people from all different kinds of categories. And so here's the question. Is this hard? I mean, like, is anybody like, I hope this guy never comes back, right? He's never allowed to preach here again. But this is the question that I had to ask, and this is the question that Paul is having the Corinthians ask, and this is the question I'm asking you. What would you be willing to give up? What finger would you be willing to cut off if it meant more success for the gospel? Would you give up your music? Would you give up your methods? Would you give up certain traditions or preferences? Paul's point is, 
at the end of the day, a self-focused church will not be a gospel-centered church. Well, here's the last point, and then we'll close. Paul's willing to say, again, I know the mission, and we're not going to compromise the gospel, but when it comes to everything else, we'll flex because we want to be known ultimately for the gospel, not meat-eating or not meat-eating. And so I'm not in a category, so uh, I can win people from all different categories because ultimately I want to participate in the gospel category. Now, this is beautiful. Don't, don't, don't hate me here, all right? Look at verse 25. This is so sweet. Verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. It's a very difficult phrase in the Greek to translate. It is literally, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share in it or in its blessings. In other words, it's this. What, what is Paul trying to communicate here? Well, listen, listen. What is the gospel? What's at the core of the gospel? It's about the one who was without sin identifying with sinners. What, what, if, what if Jesus said to the human, I am unwilling to become a human? Would you think about that? Because the reality is, is if Jesus wasn't willing to flex and humble himself and serve, we'd be in hell right now. And so Paul says, when I'm willing for the sake of the gospel to give up all my wants, all my traditions, all my rights, I look like Jesus. And I'd love to be known for that. Lorraine Allard was 33 years old when she found out that she had cancer. The doctors told her that she needed to start treatment immediately if she was going to survive. The problem was she was four months pregnant. The doctors encouraged her to immediately start treatment, and because of that, they encouraged her also to terminate the pregnancy. She refused. And listen to what she told her husband. I may die, but my baby is going to live. And you know what? Lorraine gave birth to her baby, a little boy named Liam, 15 weeks premature, eight weeks before she died. This is what her husband said at her funeral. She knew all too well that she didn't have long to live, so she put Liam's life before her own. That's a beautiful picture of the gospel, isn't it? One who is willing to give up all of themselves for the sake of the life of another. And I ask you, sweet church, if a mom is willing to do that for physical life, 
how much more should a church be willing to do that for eternal life? That's the gospel. A church, a Christian, willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to leave a gospel legacy. A church that's more brave than willing to cut off a finger for a team, but willing to follow a Savior to a cross. You do that. I do that. We'll leave a gospel legacy. Let's pray.